You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome, awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. Are you a learner? Do you like to read? Do you like learning from some of the best minds ever? Well, I do too. And today I bring back one of my favorite guests of all time. His name is Dr. Uchi Odiatu, the premier expert in fitness, well-being, and health in dentistry. And today he reveals his top 10 favorite books of all time. It's awesome. You got to listen up. This is a great podcast with some great stuff. So hope you guys enjoy it. We'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. I am absolutely loving this because I get to hang out with all my friends and learn great stuff and share it with you so that you can create a better practice and a better life. Today, we're going to be talking to one of my favorite human beings, favorite speakers, favorite guests of all time, Dr. Uchi Odiatu. And we're going to be talking about the infinite wisdom of his 10 favorite reads of all time on wellness. Ooch, thanks for being on, brother. Hey, always a pleasure. Love sharing. I love your energy. So let's uh, let's amp each other's mojo. Let's uh, get this, get this going. Let's do it. Let's do it. Now, before we get into it, we got to talk about the value of books. Now, 26 years in, I was taught right out of the gate. If you're going to get involved in dentistry, you got to start reading. You are what you read. I've had all these people tell me, you know, um, so many people said, you know, garbage in, garbage out. That's not true. Garbage in, garbage stays. And what that means for me is you got to be reading. Think about this. Ooch, people have spent their whole lives writing a book. It costs $9. Do you think we should pick it up and find out what they learned in a lifetime of reading or writing, you know? Yeah, it's 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 inexpensive. The investment of time that goes into it and we can actually listen to an audiobook in 10 hours or read it over a, a two or three weekends. You, you can you know they talk about what the best way to learn is other people's experiences. There's no better way. You know, your own experience is the toughest one because you have the school of hard knocks, but when you listen to someone else's journey and what they did and what they didn't, what they wouldn't do, OPE, other people's experiences. So it's a, it's a, it's a very efficient way to uh, get smart and get wise early. 
Yeah. It's uh it's very efficient too. So I don't know who said this, but turn your car into a mobile classroom. I think it was Jim Rohn who said that. That was great. And then also I had another person tell me the best way to retain it is in multiple ways. So not only get the audible, but also buy the paper back book. And I found that to be infinitely valuable because I have the copy of the manuscript in my hands. And then I also listen to it, you know, driving back and forth to work. So however you do this, you know, retaining the information is awesomely important. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I'm, I am who I am because of our, our reading. How could, how could one person in their own experience ever be a valuable other than as a human were valuable? Like the minute you start learning other people's experiences, you, you make your ability to solve problems you have way more tools. It's like having a, a carpenter with a hundred tools compared to someone who just has a hammer and a saw. Like you're going to build a better house. Yeah. Well, I got to ask you, cause I get this question all the time. Do you like paper or digital books? Um, I do both. I think a lot of times when I love a book, I'll get, I'll get the, I'll get the audio book and the hardcover or softcover. So I don't actually read hardly any eBooks. They're either a hardcover or a softcover or listing, but I do a lot of listing. I'd say maybe one every 10 days on average, but one every two weeks, maybe, but it's, it's, it's ferocious. It's fast. And, uh, and again, people always think they can't do it while they're doing something, but we're not listening to it to memorize it. It's just the subtle nuances. Like, and you think about how many, your favorite books, many, if we said we had to speak about it for, you know, a couple of minutes, usually you'd say, this is my takeaway. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to commit it to memory. You're, you're listening and you're, you know, your alpha st- state of your brain learning and it, it gets in there. And I'll often listen to some, a book twice, but what keeps me there is I'll take notes as I'm listening to it. So I have a lot of the books that we're going to share today. I've actually taken notes on. So I've, and I've actually emailed them to people. So a lot of people say, which I'm not going to buy the book. I'm not going to listen to the book. Just give me your notes. So <laughs> people like a lot of efficiency. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll break it down in a real simple fashion. Let's go through them. And, you know, Uch sent me a list of 10 of them. So let's start at the top. Um, diet myth, Tim Spector, PhD. Tell us about it. Yeah, really good book. I'm always looking for the, the top books on nutrition. And you think of all the different diet books and all the confusion about keto, paleo, and um, all these books that complain, you know, claim that, you know, the, the acai berry is the most important. I love books written that are based on lots of studies. I look at the back of the book to see if there's how many pages of references they have. Uh, Diet Myth is written by an um, epidemiologist out of uh, England. His name is Tim Spector. Uh, I chose it because I saw all these reviews saying it was a great book to buy, a good summary. Um, also, Tim Spector studied um, 12,000 twins over 10 years, and he was able to deduce what's nature, what's nurture. And when I read the review, it said height is 80% uh, nature. So 80% of your height is what your parents and your genes, but 20% is um, your, your nutrition when growing up, how much stress you had, and how many infections that you had. So that's just a neat thing. So 20% of how tall you and I are are because of um, the quality of our diet, how much stress we had, and what infections we had growing up. So that got me right there. That's a neat talking point. Uh, I love his factual, his ability to deduce what was real, what was not real. Love it. A lot of research, I would imagine, in that book. But the audio book, he's got an English accent. So it's great listening to anyone with an English accent. It kept my, it kept my, uh, uh, my ear and my attention. And I kept thinking, hey, every dentist needs to have to pull things out of a hat. I think um, anytime you're talking to a patient, they assume as we're doctors that we know about nutrition. 
But many dentists, because of our paralysis by analysis, often they go, I can't talk nutrition chair side. I'm just good about, I'm great on the curve of speed and do a full mouth rehab, but I don't know, you know about this food thing. Well, people use the teeth to eat. So it's good to know a little bit about nutrition. So I think about any dentist out there would listen to diet myth. It would give them a good running current dialogue of what's myth, what's fact. It talks about vitamins, talks about antibiotics in the meat. It talks about uh, dairy and gluten allergies and nuts. Um, it's, it's well done. That's awesome. Awesome. Book number two, Exercise by Daniel Lieberman. Tell us about it. This is my current one. Um, I think it came out just in the last six months. He's a Harvard professor, uh, PhD, extremely smart. He's, um, uh, uh, he's an anthropologist. So he talks about exercise and movement and uh, physicality through the ages. So I like anything that's a different spin of it. Most people talk about exercise. Is, do I do orange theory? Do I interval training? So a Harvard professor um, looked at, you know, how did we learn to walk before we ran? He talked about how the value of exercise in terms of staying healthy. He said, technically, we're built to move. You know, he, he showed how there was a study where they took um, a study. I'm not sure how many 25-year-olds, but he had them lay down for three weeks. They're basically sedentary for three weeks. After three weeks, they looked at their vitals, their blood pressure, their pulse, their fat, their cholesterol. And they found out was they had the physiology of 40-year-olds. So in three weeks of lying down, these 25-year-olds had the physiology of a 40-year-old to tell you quick how quick we get out of shape. And, they, and then they fast forward. They looked at these people. It was, it was a long-term study. So they looked at these people at age 50. This is, they went ahead, um, I think, 25 years. And what they did was they saw that all of them had gained 50 pounds on average, and they were completely out of shape, not necessarily being sedentary, just the average of them. They went back to their normal lives. And what they saw, though, was, though, is as little as eight months of exercise, nutrition, they got their health back. So sedentary living kills us. But in as little as eight months, on average, any of us can reclaim health. As this is all of the book called Exercise by Daniel Lieberman. So all these dentists are, you know, winding down at 55 or saying, oh, now that I'm 60, you don't realize within eight, eight months or 32 weeks, you could reclaim your mojo and as be as strong as any new grad. Yeah. And that's really the important piece because before we hit the go button is the why. You know, why would I want to read this as a dentist? Well, that's really clear for me. I mean, this dentistry is a physical sport. Mm -hmm. You know, while exercise is important to feel good, you have to maintain the support system that makes dentistry possible, don't you think? Exactly. Uh, this is the tool. You know, um, I look at the, they, they had a Honda, a Honda 500. They had a race, a, a high performance Formula One race car racing in Toronto a few weeks ago. And they said at 500 miles, these people changed their tires five to seven times. So in a race of 500 miles around Toronto a few weeks ago, these Formula One cars uh, changed their tires five to seven times, which is basically every, every 70 miles. A normal everyday today car, you change your, your tires every six years or every about 50,000, 60,000 miles. So that being said, if you're a high performance car or a high performance dentist, you need the best tires, you need the best food, you need the best trainer, you need the best information. You, you're not a you know, point A to point B old you know, buggy. So Formula One race cars five to seven times in a 500 mile race. You can go six, you might have any Formula One race car saying, oh, we change our race car tires every six years. They'd say, how's that crazy? So why is you as a dentist buying the cheapest supplements? Why are you buying the cheapest food? Or why are you eating fast food? You need the best food in that premium body. Yeah. Amen, brother. So book number three, 
intrigues me a lot. Now, if you're listening, I forgot to mention this. He's going to share book number nine has actually been taken out. It's not allowed in prisons anymore because it's it's very, very powerful, those concepts. So you're going to want to listen to that one. But let's talk about book number three, which I'm intrigued about, Outlive by Peter Adia. Yeah, a medical doctor. He was actually a cancer surgeon. Uh, he's, I think he's 50 years of age, very popular on podcasts, very stern, a tough love guy. He talked about the four horsemen that kill us. The four horsemen are cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer, and dementia. These are the four grim reapers, the four horsemen. And um, in his book, and it was like he's written very cold turkey. He was saying things like, um, you can't just be in average shape or in good shape. He said, you have to get in the top 5% for your age group if you want to be a high-level independent liver between 70 and 90. Because if you're, because whatever shape you and I are now, if we didn't do anything else, it's a downhill slide. So you and I have to get in the top 5% of people in their 50s if you want to be a supreme top percenter as you get older. There is no way around it. He also said that he used to think nutrition or food was the most important thing to stay healthy. He said, no, exercise, being physically active is number one. The body needs to move. Because I've even seen that myself. You go to a health food store, you see a lot of people very fragile, eating healthy, but very fragile. Many of them, if you don't exercise, they're healthy, but are they fit? He says fitness is number one. This is Peter Atai, A-T-T-I-A. And he's always on the Huberman Report. Huberman, uh, Andrew Huberman is a neuroscientist out of uh, Stanford, and he has a great uh, podcast on Spotify and on YouTube. Uh, he has Peter Atai every, everywhere, A-T-T-I-A. But he's a medical doctor. Tough love on exercise. He said, if you're not in the top 5% for your age group, be prepared to live a very dependent, dwindling uh, last second half of your life. Yeah. A mutual friend that we share on the speaking circuit, Dr. Gordon Christensen. You mentioned this before we hit the go button. I, share the conversation you you had with them. You know, because I asked you, how how old is Gordon? He's he's amazing. He keeps going and he's super sharp. What was, tell us about that conversation. Well, he, he ran a, a two-day symposium. It's called Paradigm Shifts in Dentistry. And it was in Vegas uh, about a year and a half ago. And um, everyone always wants to hold you or hold you. And it doesn't really matter. His energy is like right up there. And one point in the day, he said, I'm eight years past the age most men leave the planet. And I'm thinking, wow, is he 88? Because um, his, food, his suit was fitted. His hair had gel. His handshake was like a vice grip. New watch on, stuff to do. His MacBook Pro was right up to date. Didn't tire, didn't yawn, didn't get fatigued. He'd ask attendees at his conference, who needs a break? It wasn't him. It was, do you need a break listening to this guy who's almost uh, in his ninth decade? So, and, and that's what Peter Atai talked about, A-T-T-I-A. He said grip strength, hand, hand grip strength. When someone shakes your hand, a very uh, defining tale of how you're aging. So for whatever reason, a weak handshake is a sign of an early demise. Mm -hmm. So hand grip is a powerful indicator of how vital and how you're aging. Something to think about next time you shake a patient's hand, if you're going to give them time payments. So when anytime a patient shakes my hand and goes, I like to pay over time, hand grip, ooh, you're going to have to pay in full at the time of treatment. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> love it. Kidding. I'm not that cold, but, uh, but hand grip is def defining. So that's something... Uh, People should take a look at shaking hands with your son or your daughter or your partner, your future, future associate, you know? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Book number four, Spark by John Ratley. 
Yeah, again, Harvard, a psychiatrist, wrote a book. It was a groundbreaking book on the new science of exercise revolution. And as you see, I'm sticking with exercise because we're physical beings who might be online, there might be AI, but in the end, we have to move and do things. You know, with 600 muscles, we were designed to move. Well, Spark, and this is where, I know we talked about this before, it's called BDNF. So BDNF is a neurotrophic factor. It's called brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And the cool thing about BDNF is, people say, Uch, how do you remember that? And Uch, you, you seem like you got the energy of a new grad. I got the energy of a newer new grad. <laughs> and I said, exercisers have more of this neurotransmitter called BDNF, BDNF, the non-exercisers. And BDNF encourages communication between all 85 billion neurons. So you have 85 billion neurons. I have 85 billion neurons. Half of them are cerebellum, which is designed to keep us upright. Give an idea how the cerebellum has half the neurons in the brain. And it's all about keeping us upright when you think of physicality and posture and moving. Well, BDNF facilitates communication. Um, someone said if there's 85 billion neurons, each neuron has up to 10,000 connections it makes, 10,000. So if you're not moving very much, you have less of this neurotransmitter, which means brain fog, lack of clarity, poor memory, forgetting stuff, you know, going into a room and wondering why you came. You know, these are all signs of um, possibly age-related decline. So it's good to keep your brain young. One of the best ways is this spark, uh, John Rattay, a psychiatrist, said um, exercise is one of the top treatments for almost every mental disorder. Jogging, walking, dance, Zumba could help every mental illness um, get better. It's, yeah. it's a powerful book. I love it. This is a powerful combination, buddy. Number five, The Clever Gut Diet by Michael Mosley. Yeah. Why I read this book is I was born in England. So I, this guy's an English doctor. Um, he was given the diagnosis of having type 2 diabetes. And in 12 weeks, and I think it was 16 weeks, he lost 20 pounds doing intermittent fasting. Uh, he had a different technique. He did five days of regular eating, regular meals. And then Saturday, Sunday, he ate 600 calories each day. So five days of regular meals, Saturday, 600 calories, Sunday, 600 calories. I think he lost 20 pounds and he reversed his type two diabetes. That was a, an interesting prologue. I'm like, okay, he's got my attention. And he's all about the fact of fermented foods. Um, one of the things that most people don't know is that um, if, you have, if you cook hot white rice, it's got a high glycemic, right? So if you drink a cup of, eat a cup of rice, your blood sugar spikes. Well, a lot of cultures, they cook rice and they keep it over one, two, three days. Every time you let rice cool and reheat it, it lowers uh, the glycemic index factor. So it becomes more of a resistant starch. So that way it actually is actually easier on your blood sugar spiking. You throw in some olive oil or some fish or some vegetables, it lowers it even more. So I love that. So if you're eating rice that's been reheated, it's not such a high glycemic spiking food. Yeah. So that's really good to know. Um, number six, clean by Benjamin Hammond or Heyman, H -A -M -I -N. Yeah, Hamlin. Yeah, Hamlin. Really good book. Um, you know, obviously we're very clean. COVID's made us very clean. We're always washing hands. I, if you're traveling on a plane and you see people sanitizing their, their tray and sanitizers behind the seat, even though they've actually shown that the dirtiest place with flying is the, the kiosk. That kiosk where you put your passport and you, and you check in when you first get to the airport, 350,000 CFUs, a colony forming units. The toilet on the plane, the seat, has only 90,000 colony forming units. To give an idea, when you scratch your eye and put your passport in, you're better off uh, being in the washroom <laughs> looking at your passport. So, But he talked, clean was all about the fact that we're too clean. 
Uh, supposedly about 15% of our biome is on our skin. These two square yards of tissue that cover us, a, a big part of our physical immune system. Well, they've shown that our biome communicates, our skin biome communicates with our stomach biome. And if we overly sanitize our body by washing every part of ourselves with antibacterial soap, putting on cleansers, moisturizers, and taking stripping off of that fatty, that sebum layer, which actually helps keep our skin healthy, our biome gets negatively impacted. So he was saying the new research shows being too clean is not good for your overall immunity. Not that you should never wash your hands. Just don't scrub every inch of you because they've actually shown that, that those 100,000 bacteria that are on every square centimeter of you communicate with your biome that everything's okay. So when we strip it with really strong soaps and cleaners and cleansers, we're actually doing our immune system harm. Doesn't mean you're supposed to wash your hands. Just you have to scrub every part of you, unless you're doing landscaping after a full mouth rehab. So if you do, you know, if you prep 20 crowns or you see 20 crowns, you go outside and cut the grass outside, you're sure, you know, scrub every part of your body. But if, you, if you're a dentist prepping crowns, you may not need to use, you know, hand sanitizer on every inch of your back. It's yeah. you're disrupting your biome. Yeah. That's so interesting. So interesting. Book number seven, one of my favorite of all time, Younger Next Year by Henry Lodge. Tell us about it. Yeah, this is a good one. It came out in 2005 or 2006. Um, again, I always remember key sentences. People say, how do you remember this stuff? Well, um, again, I exercise, so I have good BDNF. Also, I sleep deep. People who sleep well, their body, their brain processes emotion and memory during rapid eye movement sleep. So all those dentists out there who snore, who only get five hours a night or sleep with their dog on their bed or whose spouse reads beside them or they have an eight foot 8K television, you know, watching uh, Netflix all night. What happens is you don't spend enough time in REM. So your memory is poor. So, um, so that being said, uh, sorry, what was that? <laughs> I get so younger excited, next but, year. Oh, younger next year. So the reason I can remember this stuff. So uh, Henry Lodge, that's, that's funny. Henry Lodge said, um, I like this one. He said, aerobic fitness might help you live a long time, but weight training will make it more fun. So, so aerobic fitness might help you live a long time by keeping a cardiovascular system uh, working well, your VO2 max and your cardiac output, but it's your strength training that will make it fun. You got to be able to put your bags in the overhead compartment. You got to be able to shake the hands of your cousin in Naples when you visit. You got to be able to get in and out of the Uber, you know, when you're running around Egypt. If you want to walk up, you know, the Eiffel Tower, you need strength, not just cardio. So uh, I love that part of it. He was saying that most people only do one kind of exercise. You really got to do all three. So strength training, aerobic training, and also flexibility so you can grab your, 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 your wallet from behind your back, or you can actually, you know, that whole posture thing where actually your breathing well needs you to have your diaphragm low as you're taking in air, doing a belly breath. You need good flexibility. And that's your fascia, you know, the, the saran wrap that covers all your muscles. It has a memory and your habitual posture keeps you in that closed state. So um, flexibility training keeps your fascia open. And that's why I get physio I get regular fascia care. I got lymphatic drainage the other day. You're not sick. Well, guess what? Tapping around your neck, tapping under your armpit, tapping around your pelvis or groin area, and tapping behind your knee encourages lymphatic drainage. So, and you think, how do you remember all that stuff? Well, I'm reading books in multiple disciplines. So when I talk to any patient chair side, they see that I'm a current doctor with current knowledge. And then they see me greater than just a, fill and drill guy or fill and drill woman, you know? So I am the person that likes to have a broad view. So I look at my patients from head to toe. 
I'm being surprised. Patients look up to us. And um, if I just, I'm, if I'm in the middle of reading a book and I share that book, patients love it. They think, wow, Uch, every time I come in here, I learn something new. And they only learn something new because I'm reading like you. Like you said, you're a voracious reader. So I love Younger Next Year um, for a lot of different reasons. There's a male and female version. I give it to my wife. It's uh, it's actually a very um, provocative read. So how do I say that? Like, if you're easily offended, I tell people don't read it. But I mean, he goes right there. They talk about sex. They talk about everything. And it's spot on. It's also a great book. I've had many dentists uh, do a book club with that book in their study club. And a lot of them have said it's a game changer. It is an awesome, awesome book. When I read it, I couldn't put it down. My, I think my wife read it in two or three nights. I read it in two or three nights. Uh, it's awesome. I highly encourage people to read it. Well, well it, it takes the mystery out of your body. I think most of us know a lot about the mouth and the gingiva, a lot about occlusion and a lot about cements and bonding agents. We know nothing up from the, the neck down. Most dentists don't know how many muscles in the human body. How, how is that? How many bones are, you know, and a big part of who we are is physicality. Like it's, it's hard to do dentistry from a distance. So it's, it's hands on. So if you're a man and a woman, uh, you, weight training is important. You know, um, people talk about winding down at 55. No, I just don't have the same energy. Well, you need to get grip strength. You need to do, hire yourself a personal trainer. Dentists will often say, oh, they're so expensive. I don't think you're billing $700 an hour if you're paying about $85 an hour, $85 an hour for a trainer. And if you are a dentist that may be not doing as well, you can do group training. Three of you can get together, a husband and wife or however that works out, three friends. And instead of paying $85 an hour per person, like each separately, you might pay $140 for all three of you. And now a trainer, you get that camaraderie, you get the social aspect, get a bit of competition in there. You'll never miss a workout. So it's, it's, it's all about maximizing your time and whatever works for you. You know, some people can work out on their own pretty rare because 85% of people have no exercise habits. So it's a slow downhill slide. And Dr. Peter Tai, author of the book Outlive, that slow downhill slide is gradual. And then you fall off a cliff, you know, mm. break a pelvis or break a femur. And then within five years, 20% of people die. So it's a slow downhill aging, but then you fall off a cliff. So that being said, we can stack the deck in our favor of having a long, happy career. And there's, there's nothing like taking care of the body. It's, it's, it's such a uh, uh, valuable investment, you know, better than Bitcoin, believe it or not. I know, I know yeah. Craig Stodak, like we talk about Bitcoin, but it's better than Bitcoin. You know? Yeah, totally, totally, totally. <laughs> um, Aging Well, book number eight by George Valiant. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's a new book. It came, it came out a couple of years ago. It, it showed how... Uh, Harvard researchers in 1938 took about 250 Harvard sophomores and he wanted to follow them from, for 80 years. So from 1938, they followed them until about 2018. They went through about five or six different researchers because it was an 80-year study. And they looked at all the, the, the top six reasons what makes some people age well. Well, the standard ones we all know, drink less alcohol, don't smoke, eat healthy, exercise, manage stress. But the sixth one, they were shocked they were shocked at how important your intimate relationships are and how it makes you be healthy. So you could have a flat stomach, do Zumba, have a life coach, you know, eat organic food. You know, you, you have a, a venison in the back, so you're not having, you know, conventionally grown meat. But if you don't enjoy your family or if your marriage is in trouble and you're not getting the counseling or you know, Dr. Oz would talk about it as as. It, it does, as men now in particular, he said, sure, a man might talk to his spouse about his troubles and challenges, but men need one other person to chat with. 
He said, if, if, if a man doesn't have a buddy or someone to debrief or download to, you live a shorter life. So anyway, it was, they found out that the intimate relationships are powerful in terms of how you, well you age. So it's not all about picking the acai berry and having Lululemon or spandex. You need to, you need to have nurture that your, your close friendships. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Book number nine is the controversial one, 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Why is this so controversial? Well, Robert Greene is a neat guy. In his life, he had 66 jobs. Uh, he really did a lot of soul searching his whole life. So any person on 66 jobs, he, he learned a lot and watched a lot. And it took a long time for him to get where he wanted to go. But he said his book is banned in prison and banned in a lot of correctional institutions. Why? Because anyone who, who studies these laws and uses them, you can rise to the top of leadership f- fairly quickly. Um, and there are exactly 48 laws. One of them is um, never outshine the master. And you're thinking, well, as an associate, you always think, hey, I'm going to show the dentist that I'm doing full mouth cases and the hygienists like me now and all the patients are switching over to me. Your principal goes, hmm, every owner or principal has an ego. And if you constantly outshine the master or outshine the principal, guess what? Subconsciously, unconsciously, he or she's thinking, how do I get rid of this guy? How do I get rid of this lady? <laughs> you know, so it said, always defer, always edify. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be doing so well. If it wasn't for your mentoring, I wouldn't be where I am today. But also compliment their work sincerely. But one of his top three rules was don't outshine the master. And, that had, and he showed all through history how vice presidents and certain cabinet ministers, if they outshine the president, the prime minister, the king, either beheaded, imprisoned, banished. It was incredible how many times in, in history you, you think you're being a great vice president, boom, you're gone, you know? So they said the, the head guy or head woman has, has, a, has an ego. Yeah. So they took it out of prisons. Why? Like, give us the story, the backstory on that. Well, they thought anyone that looked at these, these, these things, they could, they're all, it's like a corporate book on how to master the corporate ladder. You could be the, a bad dude or a poor intentions, but by following these rules, you can make it to the top. And now you have, you know, 300 CEOs in, in, the, in the prison getting what they want, ordering what they want, ordering people around. So it was all about keeping, obviously prison's all about control. So 48 Powers puts the social Machiavellian network back under control. And he basically dissected it to 48 laws. One of them was, if you're a leader and you do anything mean, put, put the meanness in a velvet glove. If you're going to have an iron fist, put it in a velvet glove. Uh, so if you can do something really tough, do it with kindness. Uh, one of them was always have a scapegoat, you know, never take full responsibility yourself. Um, another one was, um, this is where it's interesting, where you think, why do people do it? And you can all think of people who stand out, but any world leader should have a signature look. Or if you want to be a leader, have something that stands out. So a certain tie color or a certain dress or a color or do your hair in a certain way. Or think of Salvador Dali or Andrew Walhall or um, a shaved head or a certain suit color. But having a signature look, it's memorable. Even if people mock you, they think of you, they stand out. It's, it's how to be memorable. Always be memorable. So that was interesting. Interesting. Wow. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Book number 10, The Body Keeps Score by Bessel van Kolk. Tell us about yeah, it. It is interesting. It talks about childhood trauma. You don't realize sometimes what keeps us from reaching our our. our potential and why do some people sabotage their efforts and why do some people never get past that entry-level area and it said it may not be because of your intelligence it might not be because of your ability simply because you have unresolved childhood trauma 
not feeling worthy, um, having, growing up in an abusive background, you never got past that thing of, oh, you're just like your uncle, you're just like your stepdad, or you look just like your older brother. And it's unconscious. It talks about half, all those that unresolved traumas in your body. It, it's, it's part of who you are. And that could be the reason why you, you, you don't, you know, you're on your fourth or fifth marriage or you're on your fourth or fifth office manager or you're always butting heads with a hygienist or you can't seem to keep an assistant. You know, what is unresolved? So, so and you think about childhood trauma. What do you mean? I, I love my parents. Well, with an older brother, were you, were you bullied? You know, and they said, if, if you have unresolved trauma, if you haven't dealt with it, either by hypnosis or counseling or medication or whatever it is, um, CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. And you can't medicate your way through it. They said medication just basically uh, uh, postpones it to later. But they said unresolved trauma is like holding a beach ball under the water, which seems easy for the first minute. A day later, it's exhausting. And when it explodes out of the water, that's when you're erupted in some trigger. Like think of road rage out of the blue. This mild-mannered prosthodontist loses it on the highway. You know, So um, he said it shows up. And he said, when you think of alcoholism, one in eight people affected grew up with alcoholism. Um, sexual abuse, one in four women sexually abused, um, emotional abuse, um, growing up in poverty, uh, uh, where you had that veil of, you know, this is as good as it's ever going to get. This is all you're ever going to be. Um, and again, dealing with that and resolving and working through it somehow, whether therapy or counseling, that could be the the bottleneck, which lets some people own four offices. Say if, say if you're stuck at three and you can't seem to get past three, but if, if your dad ever kept saying the word, Rich bastard, you know, rich bastard. You know, look at all those rich bastards. Who wants to be a rich bastard? So I'll totally keep my income below 100 because 100 grand or whatever multiple six figures because I don't want to be that rich guy or the, you know, fat cats. So we got to resolve this stuff. And anyway, um, the body always keeps store, score, talks about the power of unresolved trauma to impact us the rest of our lives. It, it comes into every relationship and working relationship that we have. So now it's written by a guy named, I think the last name was uh, Van... Bessel Van Bolk or Coke, K-O-L-K. Is that? Um, yeah, K-O-L-K. K-O-L-K. So. Yeah. Awesome. books, you know. Yeah. I got to ask you, where do you find your books? I mean, what you, and what are you reading right now? I know you probably have one or two that you're reading right now. Well, I'm doing the um, Daniel Lieberman, the exercise book, because I'm interested in it all the time. Right. I just one I, did, I didn't put on there was by um, Adam Grant. It was called, uh, it was called Rethink. And it was all about, uh, where does it go? Oh, Think Again by Adam Grant. And it was yes. all about how most of us, we learn something. We never change our minds. It's like the Flat Earth Society is still talking about the Flat Earth. Like, or whatever, you hold on to a belief that you, that you can never change and you, you become boring and old. So he's saying if something, if an idea, belief, or a way of doing things is no longer serving you, like if you're a dentist and you want three offices, you can't run those two and three offices like you did with the one office. So he talks about how to let go of things that aren't serving you. Declutter, you talk about decluttering your office, declutter your brain of what's not serving you to open, you know, create space so you can have more of what you do want. So that's Adam Grant. The book is called Rethink. So that was the one I just finished a little while ago. Yeah. And we just read that as a team. It's in our book uh, store here, our resources area for our training center. I love that book. I absolutely love it. So it's good stuff. Um, I think it's important that we read. You got to keep the brain going. You know, you see these, see these older people doing, you know, wordles and crossword puzzles. What we fail to forget, I think, is that our brain is a muscle. We got to exercise it. We got to think. Well, Peter Tai, A-T-T-I-A, medical doctor, older book Outlive, he said exercise is more important than Sudoku. So you can do all the puzzles and Rubik's Cube you want. 
you got to move because that brain is an oxygen hog. You know, it's only three pounds, but it takes 25% of the oxygen you're breathing. And at any one point in time in the day, whatever how many calories you eat, your brain takes 20% of the calories. So because it's an oxygen hog, um, it's movement. You need a good pumping brain. You need all four chambers working well. So low blood, low blood pressure, good blood pressure, good cardiac output, you know, good stroke volume, a good max VO2. So is it exercise? It's more important than Sudoku. So if you're doing Sudoku and sitting all night, you're better off between Sudoku puzzles, go walk around and, uh, you know, get, you know, you, you know, just because you're a periodontist, you can afford someone to walk your dog, you know, fire that dog walker and, and take, you know, uh, little uh, buddy out for the walk, you know, and keep, and keep that brain youthful. So. I love it, buddy. Well, I got some reading to do. That's for sure. So uh, if you're listening to the podcast and you're not taking notes, don't worry. We're taking notes for you. You can flip up to the notes. You're going to see links to every single book that Uch mentioned. You're also going to see links to his social media. And uh, Uch, I want you to tell people what you're up to. I, I always think it's really cool. You're going out to Spodak's uh, Bulletproof Conference and you're speaking all over the place. If you guys haven't seen Uch speak, you got to see Uch speak. Where are you going in the next month or two? Yeah, Bulletproof. It's called Bulletproof. And Craig's got a great program. It's, it's, it's progressive. It's, it's, it's management. It, it's mindset. It doesn't focus as much on the crown prep. So we, we got good, all of us in dental school got good crown prep information. It's mindset and relationship building and building rapport and self-talk and journaling. And what, what's your nightly five-minute review before bedtime? What's your mindset when you get up in the morning? So, and the intangibles, um, it's hard to quantify, but they're a big part of how well we do. So uh, that's what his Bulletproof program uh, is about. Um, ADA is going to be fun. It's, in, it's called SmileCon. It's reinvented. Uh, you know, I think, whatever, I think 50 countries are involved. Uh, the Greater New York Meeting is incredible. It's one of the biggest meetings, I think, in the world. There are like 40, 50,000 people in its heyday. So um, I enjoy I, I enjoy my Canadian stuff. I enjoy my U.S. stuff. I I love networking. I, I love pressing flesh and with a firm handshake with people. Um, I, I and I'm only here. I always tell people I'm only here because I'm reading. If, if I didn't read, I wouldn't know anything naturally. Like I know people say, "How's that?" So I know nothing naturally. What do you know naturally? You know, like so. Um, reading lets me reinvent and take on new information. And beside, when you when you're on a plane and you tell a person you're a dentist, if you're well read. They see you. I always represent my profession anywhere I go. If you're on a plane or an Uber, they always think, why do dentists know that? They always think we just drill holes and fill them or we make teeth white. You, you really you know, bust the doors of people's preconceptions when you're a well-read dentist. You know, people see you as a Renaissance man or woman, and it's, uh, and it's a great way to come across. They really elevates our status. And they see us, you know, doctor is, Latin is teach, doctore. So um, when you read, you can teach, you can share. And it's not just... I'm recanting what I read. It's through the, my sieve. It's through my childhood eyes. It's through my childhood trauma. It's through Uch's eyes. And, and they get a different version of it every time. So you and I can read the same book. Different, different thoughts and interests come out of it. And what's your favorite book? I know you have favorite books, uh, Kurt. What, what, do you, what, what are a couple of books that you've, you've loved or you, you, that you'd reread or recommend? It's a new dentist. What does a new dentist have to read if, if they're just new? Yeah. So uh, I have a lot of them and I could create a whole half hour thing, but the number one book I've read the most, I probably read it 26 times. It's Traction by Gino Wickman. Now I'll tell you why. And I have, I currently have it in my backpack and I listen to one or two minutes a day while I'm riding in the car because it's an operating system. Most people complain that it's dry, it's boring, it's very simple. 
Well, I enjoy it quite a bit. It's not that the book changes. I change every time. And it also, I'm an eye on the disc profile. I like ideas. I like to change bright, shiny objects. And I have a coach. She's amazing. She helped me understand that the signature of mediocrity is chronic inconsistency. And so that was the first 20 years. I mean, we were doing good stuff, but I was chasing new stuff all the time. And what I realized when I read Traction, and I have many friends that have built multi-million dollar business. I have a friend who runs a $100 million business with the book and he's a traction coach. And uh, Craig is a big fan. Craig's point. It's, it's a real simple way to create an extremely healthy business. Why wouldn't that be the primary read? Now, I love Younger Next Year, As a Man Thinketh by James Allen, The E-Myth, uh, Psycho-Cybernetics. Um, I have so many books uh, in my it's like the Jim Rohn thing. As soon as I started reading books, I probably have six to 700, maybe, I don't even, maybe a thousand books in my library. It's right off of my bedroom. And I haven't read every book, but I feel smarter just walking in the room. And yeah. if I'm ever perplexed, challenged, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go back and read this one. And I make a lot of notes. My books are sloppy. There's notes everywhere. Um, so I could go on and on and on, but that is one of my favorite. Uh, Frank Spear made me read The Power of Full Engagement. I love that one. John Coyce. Oh, The Power of what? Power of Full Engagement. It's all about okay. energy management. Uh, okay. It is excellent. Okay. Uh, it's about um, very high level performing athletes. If you read it, you'll okay. it'll blow you away. Uh, check, okay. Checklist Manifesto, one of the best of all time. Mm -hmm. uh, people have to read it. Um, gosh, I have so many. Yeah. You mentioned traction first, though. So, you, so if you're going to share with me or say a new grad or someone who yeah. wants to break through to multiple office, the, the DSO, would, would traction be a good place to, to start? Traction is the only place I would start. Now, there's a whole wow. series, okay. but here, okay. here's, here's what it does. It's so well organized and he's really clear about where he got the framework from. So he went to strategic coach. He was also involved with... Um, you know, scaling up organization gazelles, uh, th those guys. I mean, he took all the best information and he distilled it into a very simple operating system. Now, it is a way to build a healthy family, a, a healthy team. It starts with core values. It starts wow. with, you know, it, 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 it also teaches extremely healthy, extremely healthy communication patterns that have rules. And when you read it, you're going to go, of course you would. And when I was reading it, Ooch, I'm like, I break this rule all the time. I go to somebody else who, and so what I've learned is to be very disciplined. I mean, I'm still me, but it, within the context of that whole entire thing, one more thing I'll say about traction is there's nothing better than something that bonds all of you. I currently have 20 team members. I never dreamed but that is a, that's kind of like the SOP. It's, it's the, it's the bond, it's the rules. And so I have new two, two new team members. It's the first book we give them just, this is how it works. We don't do it perfectly, but if you want to know why we do something, you're going to see in this book, it describes it. Now I could take the time to describe that, but the book does it a better job. And so when I read it, listen to it, and then when I'm perplexed and challenged, I'll go back and go, that's why this is stressful. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but if you were going to create one practice, 10 practices, a great team, uh, I think that's the only place you look um, because it's, it's extremely well-written. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So good stuff. Good. Yeah, no, it's all good. It's, this is, uh, 
mind. You know, I had a patient today talking about she's 93 getting a, a, a restoration done. And so she loved her brain. She goes, she's very current. I talk quick. So she's, she's going back and forth. And she goes, I got a good mind. She said, that's a good mantra, 93. I have a good mind. I have a good mind. So I thought, wow, you were, uh, memories, remembering, being able to interact in your 90s. That means if your mind is good, your heart's probably good. And you probably have good blood sugar management. So you don't realize how mind is everything. So um, unless you're channeling information or you have 13 past lives, you got to read and listen and learn uh, and stay curious. It's, it's a beautiful when someone's curious, you know, when someone has a lot of fixed ideas and not open. You're not a good scientist. You have a lot of fixed beliefs and ideas. So the best scientists are open. The minute you have a fixed belief, you miss things. Like the guy who founded BlackBerry uh, from yeah. RIM. Um, all these keys, you became a billionaire. 2005 came along. Apple was saying, hey, touch is the way to go. He goes, no, no, the key is the way to go. I'm not going to change. Who wants to touch? It's messy. It can be fingerprints on it. Anyway, he didn't change. He was so fixed on his little QWERTY, his little keys. Guess what? BlackBerry tanked. iPhone zoomed. So just because you're a billionaire doesn't mean you're super smart. So holding on to what you know is the death knell to growth in a business or in a relationship or as a friendship or as a dentist, you know, be open. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, I'm also the current book that I just got and I'm just reading right now um, that a lot of people in dentistry are reading and I've had many friends read it. It's called Systemology and it is written by David G J E N Y N S. Now I just started reading it. It is excellent. Now I'm only on the first or I think I'm in the second chapter, but uh, I've had a lot of other people in dentistry uh, read it and they're like, this is great. And it's just a different look at how to create predictable systems. Um, And it's, it's very, very well done. So highly recommend it, but I would love, Ooch, I'd love to have you back annually just to talk about the best reads in the last 12 months. What do you think? Yeah, I could. Yeah, for sure. I, I just, I talked about 10, but uh, I've got a few of my sleep books, my psychology books. I'm uh, no, it, it's, it's a great way. You, you're going to tell a lot of someone why they read. I remember one time uh, someone asked uh, uh, a leader, what your favorite book is. And, and their mind went blank. Like the Bible, you could say the Bible or the Quran, I don't know, whatever it is, but it's amazing. When people, someone says, what's your, what are your favorite books? If you don't have any, where are you learning? You can't just learn from television. You know, online is a totally open world. Book Books are an edited, they get edited, uh, especially books that are published. Self-published, it doesn't have to be edited, but a published book has to be edited. So when someone asks you what your favorite book is, two, three, four, five, six, that's an active mind. That's, I want to listen to that person. I want to engage them. Someone says they don't read. I'm thinking, I, okay, Netflix is one way to learn. You know, it's got some documentaries, but they're not watching. They're watching Stranger Things and Keeping up with our Kardashians on, you know, on, on, on Disney, I think it is. So yeah, you got to read books or listen gotta to read books. books. Well, buddy, as always, I'm so grateful to have you. I'm going to have you back again and again and again. And I'm just going to say this. If you haven't, you know, felt the power of Ooch in a live performance, you got to go. It's like life changing. So make sure you check it out. So Ooch, thank you, brother. Appreciate yeah, I'm you. Here. I'm here to serve. Thank you. Oh, you're the best. So stick around while we say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show podcast. As always, I'm crazy grateful. So keep sending us suggestions for things you guys want to see. Hey, and if you enjoyed today, do me a favor. Just hit the share button. Share this with your friends. I know you guys are a lot. A lot of you guys are doing it. I'm just having so much fun doing this. So until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the Best Practices Show. You guys enjoy your day. 
So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.